This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Miss Sambola Vinaka and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and as always I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Dean Halatau. Fakalofala here to everyone and welcome to the show. And yes, yesterday was Nui Constitution Day. Uh, it actually runs over three days in Nui, so well done to everyone over there celebrating a three-day public holiday. Back here where we are, we've got plenty coming up in the next hour. We take a look back at the weekend in sport. We chat with Tongan netball captain Hulida Veve, and we've got a new question for You Can Ask That. Plenty to get through, Sarah, but how's your week been? Week has been solid since we last spoke. Uh, the Wallaroos faced off Scotland in a must-win clash to kind of see our way through or keep our quarterfinal hopes alive. So it was fantastic for us to be able to get the dub last week. So this uh, past couple of days have been pretty hard at training as we turn our sights to a big match against Wales this week. But the body's intact and I am a very happy girly because our quarterfinal dreams are still very much alive. Um, but enough about me. What's been happening in your world? Uh, my world's been good. I'm preparing to head overseas. So uh, I've got a trip for work planned. Unfortunately, haven't yet got my flights and I haven't got my accommodation sorted. So um, I might get to the airport and get told there is no trip on. Uh, it's programmed in my calendar, but um, we'll see what happens. So uh, I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. And I hope my fingers are crossed that I actually make it. Where, where, where are you planning to head to? Amsterdam. There's a conference in Amsterdam for um, uh, collision sports across the world. So I'm lucky enough to get the opportunity to go over there and um, listen to some of the biggest minds from NHL, NFL, um, from collision sports. AFL are going to be represented there as well. Um, collision sports around the world. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to yeah, listening to some really smart people say some smart stuff and I'll just try and absorb it. Well, like I've always told you, you are the second smartest man I know, so I'm sure you'll be right within your comfort zone amongst all those big brains. I'll be the second last smartest person there. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Our top story this week is by an inspirational athlete who has taken headlines all across Australia. Yes, Ned Brockman. Uh, Now, this is making big news because there's a lot of attention around it. He's uh, an electrician from Forbes, so from country New South Wales, and he's a runner. So he likes to run long distances, marathons, and he set himself some targets over the last few years to, to try and raise some money for homelessness. He's quite passionate about helping helping out um, connect and eliminate uh, people that are, that are living on the streets. And he partnered up with a charity called Mobilize, and uh, their website is wearemobilize.com if you wanted to, to go and check it out. But Ned's um, gone on this, this mission to run from uh, Perth uh, all the way over to um, Sydney, it's it's a cross country run, uh, three thousand nine hundred and seventy kilometres odd, so nearly four thousand kilometres. And he, he wanted to break a record, um, which I think was forty three, forty four days. He didn't quite get there, but nonetheless, a huge achievement. And he's raised so far, I think one point eight million dollars. So it's um, to get up every day and to run, I think a hundred kilometres a day is a massive achievement. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And I know a lot of Australians, including myself, have been following his journey quite closely on Instagram and just seeing his daily updates of what his body was put through. I think I read a post where there were maggots literally coming out of his big toe and, um, you know, complete dehydration. Some days were greater than others, but he's so inspirational to be able to complete something like this is something that will resonate with so many people. And he's just a bit of a snippet of uh, what he shared. 
was more about the you know showing up and showing that people can do a whole lot more in their lives and you know being an inspiration for people. This is so amazing. There was absolutely no one out in the nullable uh, when I was quite injured, and yeah, this is just mind blowing. Hills for days, baby! Woo! This is the most ferocious headwind I've ever. Yeah, it seems like a, a pretty good character and what a thing to put your body through. And uh, you mentioned some of the challenges. Uh, yeah, 23 years old to, to be doing that. Honestly, 23 years old, I have no idea how his body's going to turn out after this, but nonetheless, an incredible achievement. Yeah, it certainly was. And uh, he actually said something on his Instagram page that I've heard you say before, get comfortable being uncomfortable, Sarah, which is, uh, which is a cool one. I like that. Yeah, at least my ones, though, uh, I guess... Uh, compacted in 80 minutes not 40 something days <laughs> different pain threshold different pain threshold well uh i think the the fundraising is still going so he's hoping now to get to two million dollars he set himself some some pretty lofty targets to to start with but that's been exceeded and uh it's still going and uh well done ned we wish him all the best in his recovery speaking of recovery sarah you had a close match on the a nail biter on the weekend Yes, the Wallaroos faced off with Scotland and the final score was 14-12 in Aussie's favour. It was a huge match for us here in Whangarei and also a must-win clash. Both teams were coming off the back of a loss and um, had their eyes on being able to go through the next week to keep their quarterfinal dreams alive. Um, for us as the Wallaroos, set-piece accuracy was something that we wanted to kind of build on from the previous week and in parts we absolutely did that. But... Discipline was a huge uh, area for us that we kind of compromised our standards. We saw Adiana Talakai have two yellow cards and Ash Masters, who came off the bench absolutely firing, also putting a try on the board for us, um, was awarded a red card. So by the 80th minute, we only had 13 girls on the pitch, which was hugely worrying for us because we were only two points in the lead. But as we know, in a game like rugby where it's quite fast, anything can happen. So um, we were able to close out that game uh, with, a, with a two-point lead and... Uh, keep our quarterfinal dreams alive with a match against Wales coming this weekend. Yeah, well, that's going to be an important match, isn't it? You, you want to jump ahead of a few teams and uh, a win's going to be super important for you. Yes, it absolutely will be. But that wasn't the only fixture that took place last weekend. We saw Fiji take on South Africa. And as we know, Fijiana, this is the first time for them to be included in the Women's Rugby World Cup. And they claimed their first win with a 21-17 to finish. I want to make a huge uh, shout-out to Vua, who played in the number three jersey. She was named player of the match of Fijian Heritage. Um, she ran 80-plus metres. She scored a try. And she really was a difference for the girls. South Africa did... Um, have the lead at one point in the game but the Fijian flair took over and it's so good to be able to see this nation uh continue to elevate even in the 15s format yeah that's great news for Fijiana to get their first ever world cup rugby win and against another rugby nation in South Africa they'll be uh celebrating well after that but looking forward to their next match so well done Fijiana Yes, and now over to the men's code. Dave Rennie has now named his Wallaby squad for the 2022 Spring Tour. As we know, a couple of campaigns have been taking place, which will give them a lot of selection headaches um, in the likes of Australia A. But one player in particular that I do want to make mention of because of his inclusion is Mark Nwangabnitawase. He plays for the Waratahs of Fijian Heritage. Didn't get a lot of game time, um, particularly in the opening matches in Japan. But with the way that he performed, he has kept Sully Bunivalu out of the fold and solidified his play 
place in this upcoming tour. So I think this is going to be a really interesting time for the Wallabies and, and a different mix of men, but still a lot of uh, experience in there with the likes of Michael Hooper returning back to the fold. So it'll be a very interesting spring tour, but so great to see uh, some changes made and see where the Wallabies can go this season. Yeah, it's exciting and uh, no doubt they'll uh, get across there. And um, it's been like an up and down, probably the disappointment of the Bledders though will be pretty clear in their minds. They'll get across and, and try and have some more success over in Europe. Well said, Dean. Turning our attention now to Nepal, the Pacific Oz series is now underway. Yeah, we spoke about this last week and uh, it's a good opportunity for some Pacific nations to compete against some, uh, I guess, rep Australian teams here in Australia up in Brisbane. It's taking place and over the weekend or over the course of the week, there's been um, games on every day, but it's been a, a cracking start for Samoa and for uh, Tonga. They've, they've won all three matches in the first three rounds. We um, At the time of recording, we haven't got the results from round four yet, but um, a fantastic start for both those teams. Unfortunately for PNG and for Fiji, they haven't been able to replicate that. They've actually lost all three matches, but uh, fingers crossed that they can get some results before rounding out the competition. Staying on netball, the Constellation Cup campaign is underway. Silver Ferns, they had a strong start against Australia, taking out both matches with a scoreline of 56 to 48 and match two, 52 to 48. Yeah, so the return legs here in Australia are going to be really important for uh, the Diamonds. They, they need to get some strong victories to, to win on a countback. They'll, they'll go to, if they get two wins, it'll be on percentages, goal differences. So, um, yeah, it's all in front of the Diamonds at the moment, but some upsets over in New Zealand for the Silver Ferns, keeping a, a really competitive Constellation Cup alive. So we'll bring the results of those next week. Now over to the AFLW, and they were into round eight. Our resident AFLW expert, Renelle Moa, jump on the line. Yeah, so the Carlton Blues had a bit of a heartbreaker on uh, Friday night when they took on the Richmond Tigers. It, it was 10 points in it, and it all came down to the final two minutes. Carlton were ahead for the entire game until the last two minutes when Richmond came back. 34 to 44, what a heartbreak. And Moa, again, having a really good game. I think she had 15 disposals, a couple of tackles in there, but... Just not enough defensively to stop them. Uh, Richmond have been going really well. They're just on a hot streak at the moment. So tough team to take on. And then the Brisbane Lions, which I think I told you last week would be the match of the round against the Adelaide Crows. And it was. The scoreline doesn't actually reflect it. They won 53-31. to Um, But Jesse did manage to kick two goals uh, from their eight. So good to see Jesse Wardlaw. Jesse Ward not still, quite a bag. Still killing it. Still killing it. Not quite a bag, but, you know, there's still time. Brisbane, so they sit on top of the table. They're, they're flying at the moment. Carlton are in 11th, so there's still a chance for the finals, right? But they've got to start winning some games. They're no chance. No chance. No chance. There are no chance. Wow. There's not enough games for them to there's not. catch there's up? There's two games left. Oh, okay. We'll still bring the results nonetheless. 100%. Next We're week, still going to support them. But well done, Brisbane, on, uh, on sitting up the top of the table and continuing some, some winning form. Thank you, Nelly. That's okay. Thanks, Nelly. Over to a code that you love so much, NFL. What's been happening, Hala? Yes, well, the NFL moved into week six uh, last week, and uh, there's some pretty ordinary games, I'd say. That's probably was the theme, the theme of the round. I know when this happens in the NRL, when there's low-scoring matches and not a lot of excitement, everyone thinks the NRL is dead. Uh, well, it happened for the NFL on the weekend, and it's, it kicked off on Thursday night with your team, Nelly. Chicago Bears up against the Washington Commanders. Don't have really, you know, a lot to celebrate in terms of their offensive structures, and it was, uh, um, it looked that way in the scoreline. Twelve seven, the Washington Commanders beat the Chicago Bears. So sorry about that, Nelly. Then my team, the Green Bay Packers, who have 
really failed to fire a shot this year. They lost to the Jets, twenty-seven to ten. Now the Jets have been underachievers for a lot. They've been actually pretty ordinary for a long time. So, big win. It was actually at Lambeau Field, which is the Green Bay Packers' home ground. So, a big win for the Jets to go away and beat the Packers. And then your team, Sarah, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They went down to the Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts, thirty-four to twenty-seven. That was a, a much more entertaining game. And um, the Colts were down uh, a number of running backs. They, they were down there like their, their fourth string running back because they had so many injuries. But um, a, a good win for them. Unlucky for your Jaguars. Uh, another game that I'll sort of tip my hat to was the Philadelphia Eagles. They're continuing their winning run. They haven't lost a game this season. So six from six, they beat the Dallas Cowboys, the uh, the glamour team of the NFL, twenty-six points to seventeen. And of course, the Philadelphia Eagles have their offensive tackle um, Jordan Mailata, who. Hails from Australia and is of Samoan background, and he played for the South Sydney Rabbitohs in their feeder, uh, their feeder team. So he um, played a really important part in one of their, their touchdowns in, in the fact that he, he runs some really good blocking for his running back, uh, and, and he's a handful big man on the left side, and uh, he's performed pretty well for the Philadelphia Eagles in their opening month and a half. So that's what's happening in the NFL. Fantasy League, I was all during the weekend, one from five. So that's kind of going as good as the uh, Chicago Bears are at the moment. Well, nonetheless, thank you so much for the update. Hala, turning our attention to the Rugby League World Cup, which is currently underway in England. Toa Samoa, let's talk about this one first because they copped a bit of a beating. Yes, they did. They've got such a strong side. A lot was made about um, how good their team looked on paper heading over. There are a number of grand finalists um, that are appearing for Samoa. And unfortunately, uh, as you say, they, they come up against the host nation to kick things off in the in the cup. And it was England coming away with a really convincing win, 60 points to six. The only joy for the Samoan team was uh, an intercept try to uh, Isaac Tungo. That came in like the 34th minute or something, or the mid-30s, around the early in the first half. So it wasn't a... A happy day for Samoa and a bit of pressure now turning on to their coach, Matt Parrish. Um, he spoke after the game and talked about the fact that they they hadn't had a lot of time together as a team and maybe that is um, a case of those those players that came from the grand final being rested before they got some full sessions in with the squad. But um, England really showing their home fans. Uh, they've got a lot to be excited about for this World Cup. It's such a convincing win over a really strong side and it's all in front of the Samoan team at the moment. Um, Australia took on Fiji. Sorry, Sarah, but Fiji uh, weren't strong enough. Australia 42-8. to eight. Again, Fiji featuring a few grand finalists, but um, Australia, who are heavily back favourites in this World Cup, flexing their muscle a bit. Harry Grant came on and, and was uh, unreal. The Fox, uh, Josh Adokar, I should say, scored a couple of tries. One run, runaway try was, uh, was outstanding, but was, <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen this, Sarah? The referee was just as fast as the Fox, which is not a common sight. To tell our listeners <laughs> how the referee fared in, the, in that little race. Well, as you know, the referee does have to follow the play as it happens, and it just looked like he was racing Josh Adokar as he is so fast with the ball in hand, but the ref kept his pace that it almost took a little bit away from the try because everyone was just so impressed with the ref's effort. Yeah, he was um, he was on his bike. He actually swerved in front of him. He was, like, leading him through to the try line, so it was um, yeah, pretty impressive stuff there from the referee. Now, the last match that I highlight, uh, we were lucky to get a, a result where a Pacific team won. Tonga took on uh, Papua New Guinea and they, they, they got the result 24-18. So it was a very tight match. Came down to the wire, but uh, Matamata Tonga, they've got a, another really stacked side. They were pushed to their absolute limits by PNG, who we know love rugby league. They 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 opened up the scoring and, and were looking good for the majority of the match. But um, well done to Tonga to kick kickstart their campaign with the win. And I've, I've 
I guarantee you we're going to see more from PNG, and I think they're going to make the quarterfinals uh, based on what they showed yesterday. Quick question, Hala. Based on the Pacifica teams that are currently represented at the World Cup, who do you think would be most likely to end up in a final? Look, I think um, I think Tonga because they've they've had so much success over the past five years. They they've been really consistent in their um, performances, and I think that gives them the edge over. Even though Samoa's got such a strong side, I think that gives them the edge over Samoa. I think PNG um, are just super competitive. They've got some really good key players in in good positions, like. Um, at their halfback, Lachlan Lamb, he is a really good player to guide them around the field, but um, they've got good contributors across the park. So um, Reese Martin, uh, Justin Olam, they've they got a number. Alex Johnson at fullback. So watch out for PNG. I think they're going to surprise a few teams, but Tonga's my pick. I agree with you. I think we're going to see Tonga there. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us this week on Talanoa Time, we're very lucky to have Tongan netball captain, uh, Hulita Hukunema Veve. Uh, she is currently participating in the Pacific Oz Netball Series up in Queensland, and she joins us now from there. Halita, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Firstly, uh, I'll get you to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Uh, tell us about you as a person, where you're from and uh, where you grew up. Yeah, so um, I am from Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. I grew up in a suburb called Logan. Um, yeah, was born and raised there, um, still currently living there, and look to stay there for a little while. And you're uh, obviously representing Tonga. Can you tell us a little bit about your Tongan heritage? Yeah, so um, my dad is from Tonga um, in a village called Felamea. Um, so yeah, he was full Tongan, born and raised there until he moved over here when he was a teenager. Um, so yeah, I'm half Tongan and my mum is from New Zealand. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be playing for Tonga and to captain the side as well, which is pretty cool. Um, I only made my debut earlier this year in March, so it's been a, been a pretty cool journey and um, it's also given me an opportunity to learn more about my culture as well. It's such a huge achievement and to, to have a captaincy role in any team is huge, but for your national team is even better. Could you take us to the very beginning of your netball journey and how it all started out for you? Yeah, so I started playing netball when I was 10 and I only started playing because my older sister started playing netball. Um, so yeah, I kind of joined a club team and then from there, I just kind of loved it. I was a shooter back then, definitely not a shooter now. Um but yeah, I just kind of fell in love with the, the team sport. Um, I just love making new friends and being in that team environment. Um, and then my sister stopped playing. And so I just continued to play. I grew up through the Australian netball pathways, um, which have given me a lot of opportunities. Um, and then, yeah, I slowly moved from shooters to defenders. And then everyone just outgrew me. So then I kind of got thrown into the midcourt, which I'm still learning to play, but, um, yeah, loving it. That's so great to hear. Take us into, I guess, the inner sanctum of your team. How has preparation been for this series? Yeah, so it's been good. We've we've had two debutantes, um, or three, actually, debutantes this series, and um, the last series we had a few more debutantes, um, which is always hard to prepare when you have new girls and I was a new girl back in March, and so 
it's hard, always hard to prepare because all of our girls are from all over Australia and from all over New Zealand, so we don't get to see each other or train together much. So when we come into series like this, it's kind of just you got to knuckle down and get into business. So we came in to camp about three days earlier than the day we started playing just to train, and we do double sessions um, leading up to game day one. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of hard to prepare, but I guess – like our coach set us up for Zoom meetings prior to coming into camp, which is all you can kind of do just to talk about our values and what's expected of us so that when we get here, we just kind of hit the ground running. Um, but yeah, I think we're still well prepared and we're Tongan and so we kind of click onto things pretty quick um, and we gel just naturally. So yeah, it's pretty good culture. It's, it certainly seems that way. You've had some success early on in the series and uh, you must be pleased with the way you've played so far and the results that you're getting. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, thinking back to my first game in March and how far we've come, like we're still undefeated um, and this is our third comp. Um, and yeah, that's definitely our goal is just to remain undefeated now that we're ninth in the world, considering we were unranked a few months ago. So yeah, I'm just so proud of the girls and yeah, what we've created and done for ourselves and our country and our families and God as well. Um, yeah, just so proud and it's just good for those little girls that look up to us. You know, I think that's a huge, um, huge thing inside of us is that we're doing it for little girls that want to be like us as well. And yeah, like I said, just for our country, it's good. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And on that note of being able to inspire the next generation, those little girls um, see you absolutely dominating on this stage. It only encourages them to, to know it's a possibility for them also. I just want to ask you, uh, married and you have two sons, how do you find uh, the juggling act of family and Nepal? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it is quite challenging and any mum would say that, um, but it's so rewarding at the same time. You know, it's you don't just get to wake up and go to training, you got to wake up, pack your bag, pack two more bags, feed two more people breakfast, feed two more people, get two more people changed. So it's a lot of extra work, but... Um, yeah, like I said, it's just so rewarding. And I think, you know, my husband plays 40 as well and works full time. So it's, it is a big juggle. But then I've got the best support system, um, my family, my husband's family. You know, when they say it takes a village to raise some children, it, it really does. And my family are a big part of that. And yeah, I literally would not be here without my family and my partner's family. Halita, you mentioned before about uh, learning some uh, some more about your own culture, being a part of the the, the squad. And uh, is there anything that surprised you, or is it is it you know some big learnings that that you have made uh, in this journey? Um, nothing major. I just think the little things that we as a team learn along the way about our culture um, and just the way we connect with other Tongan people in our community. Um, I think that's just been the big learning for us. Um, and a big upside of it is just that we are connecting now to, to more Tongans um, and we are more known now. Um, you know, sometimes I'm at work and I get some Tongans come in and be like, oh, hey, you're the captain. And I'm like, yeah, so it's pretty cool just to connect with our Tongan community. I guess what what is life uh, away from the court for you? Uh, you just mentioned the work there and, and, and getting recognised uh, as your, your role as a skipper for Tonga. But what, what does life look away from the court for you? Yeah, um, so I just work part-time, so it is four days a week, just at, um, in retail at Rebel Sport, um, back close to home. Um, so yeah, I just do four days a week. Um, I'm also training partner for the Queensland Firebirds, so 
that's in pre-season at the moment, which is five days a week of training. Um, and then, yeah, just a mum and a wife. Yeah. So much more than that. Helita, take us into your game day ritual. You're currently in a really big campaign at the moment and you're playing back-to-back uh, matches. So what does a, a day of game day look like to you? Yeah, so I have no specific game day rituals, but um, I always like to be prepared. I'm such an organised person. I think now that I've got kids, I just have to be. Um, but that, for me, looks like just getting my stuff ready for game day the night before so that I don't forget anything because I have a big fear of being late or forgetting something. So just being well prepared, I guess, and then waking up, um, listening to some music, um, just eating a good breakfast, hanging around my kids. I don't like to focus too much on the game um, in the morning. So just doing something that I like, whether it's going for a walk or just hanging out with the kids. And then, yeah, that kind of just sets me up for game day. Uh, I, I, this uh, idea of being late or forgetting something, I reckon that's a nightmare for most athletes, like yes. missing missing um, tip-off or, or kick-off time or, or forgetting your shoes or your boots or whatever it might be. That is a big fear. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a fear of mine. <laughs> what, what about what's on your um, your playlist for pre-game music? Um, I'm a Beyonce girl, so I love a bit yes. of Beyonce. <laughs> um, but then I'm also not like a big pump up person like I could listen to a sad song and it could still like emotionally motivate me <laughs> fair enough I like that I guess one last question that I've got is uh, do you have any advice for young athletes or any aspiring um, athletes in netball or in any other sport um, yeah I think the biggest advice from me is just to enjoy it have fun but work hard I think you know, I'm a big believer in anything is possible if you work hard for it. Um, so if you really want to dream, you'll get there if you put in the work. Um, and I think when you're doing something that's hard work, you have to enjoy it to love it. And then it just it doesn't become a chore. It just becomes something you love. And then you'll get the best out of yourself and what you want to achieve. Yeah. Very good advice, uh, very sound advice to all our young listeners out there. Now, as Sarah mentioned, uh, we do like to finish the show on a light note, and it's a, a segment we call Tip On. It's just 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions. Uh, you ready to play? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> all right, the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Um, Beyonce music. <laughs> Who is your most annoying teammate? Oh, uh, unique. <laughs> Who is your sporting hero? Um, Monia Dried. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, Shrek. <laughs> Who in your team is always on their phone? Uh, Lucia. <laughs> What's something you could eat for a month straight? Um, pasta. Uh, do you have a hidden talent? No. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? Uh, 9. Uh, what was your first concert? Uh, Jason Derulo. Conditioning or weights? Weights. Uh, who is your celebrity crush? Chris Brown. What's your favourite drink? Can't say. <laughs> when... <laughs> oh, that's that clock just ran out. You nailed it. You went through so many questions there. We usually stumble quite so a bit. so much better than other guests. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Halid, it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, we wish you all the best for the remainder of the uh, Pacific Netball Series uh, and good luck to Tonga. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. 
You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're now up to our favourite segment of the show, You Can Ask That. And this is basically an opportunity for our listeners to ask either a current or former athlete absolutely anything when it comes to the world of sport. And this week, we have a new question from Michael Inlay. And Hala, the question that is being asked is, how hard is it to stay up for a tour after a full home and away season? It's a good question, Sarah, and it's pretty uh, appropriate for you at the moment. Obviously, you're over um, in a World Cup competing and... Um, Obviously, everything comes at the end of regular seasons when there's a there's a tour on for international fixtures, and it's always something that gets talked about in rugby league is about trying to fit an international fix or international fixtures in a calendar. World Cup's different; they're scheduled every uh, you know so often, every three years, every four years, whatever it might be. But um, it, it is something that uh, we spoke about off air earlier about. You know, is is it hard to sort of find the energy off the back of a full season to to go and tour and, and compete, Sarah? You're in amongst it now. What do you, what do you think? How, how are you feeling um, a few weeks into a, a World Cup campaign? Yeah, look, I'll be completely honest with you. It is quite tiring and very taxing on the body. Um, I feel like this whole year, and genuinely, I've rolled from one campaign to the other. It started with Super W into club, into Wallaroos. And when I'm not at home playing, I'm genuinely in a camp, whether it's training or whatever. So it is pretty hard to stay up for a tour. I think the, the biggest thing I've learned is how to keep my body in check. I'm only 27 and I've been playing rugby now for 10 years, but I swear each year it gets harder and harder for my body to recover. And genuinely now that I'm at World Cup and despite all the footy that's been played, there are some things that I absolutely need to tick off to keep my body in check. And that's just like stretching and recovering at the end of the day. Like I'm up at 11 o'clock in the evening, still just stretching because I can't get certain knots out of my body. So um, it's, it's really tough. And I guess that's the, the physical component. I guess another component is also like the mental, the mental and emotional side. Being on tour, you are constantly living in a high pressure environment because when you're not training, you're playing and if you're not playing you're worried about selections like there's so many components and um I've found it a little bit tricky like last week I was really 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 homesick um but I've got certain tools in place that kind of help me stay connected and one of those is just speaking to family which I'm very very thankful for with like FaceTime and that but it's really hard and it does take its toll but I guess when you have a goal in sight you're willing to do whatever it takes um to stay on the path because it's uh it's a privilege at the end of the day to to be here It's, it's a privilege but there's no hiding from the fact that it is tough yeah, when I was looking at this, I was thinking back, and I love touring. Like I, I remember going away, and even if it was at the end of a long season, I just wanted to get away and have fun on tour and, and play football. And um, I, I went on some tours that were seven weeks long. Um, but then I'm thinking back, and I was, at the time, uh, my first tour, I was 22 years old. I, was, um, I didn't have a family, so I was young and, and wanted to tour the world and go see things. And I didn't play a lot of football on that tour, so... Even though it was at the end of a long season, I probably was in a good frame to actually put my body through that. And then the last time I toured was, I was 25 years old, so I was still quite young. Um, and and it was, again, at the end of a season, it was a long campaign, but I was full of energy and, and ready to go. So probably a little bit different for me at that time of life. And I'm looking back, it, it probably seems like in my head it was it was fun and easy, but I, 
probably wasn't as much as I think it is. And then having to back up and then go back to training in a preseason and get ready for the following year. There's going to be a number of players um, in in your World Cup, in the Rugby League World Cup, that are going to experience that um, throughout December uh, this year and January into next year. On that note, Hallard, we just spoke about uh, Tol Samuel going down in their opening match at Rugby League World Cup. And a lot of those players came from grand final matches who didn't have quite the turnaround as other players in the squad. Do you think shortening rest periods kind of hinders performance? Well, I think it's it's probably, yes, they're probably fatigued from a long year and playing a lot of football. Like someone like Jerome Luai, who um, played Origin as well and, and then made it all the way through the grand final. He did have some time off through uh, suspension during the year. So it's weird. Injuries and suspension actually gives you those sort of breaks, artificial breaks that you, you might need. But then on the same side, you, you also, you're match fit. So you're coming up against players that haven't had a lot of football in a, in a period. So keeping your match fitness is one thing that helps you get through games. They got beat by uh, 54 points. So that's that's not just getting beat, that's getting flogged, right? That's um, I think despite of any fatigue and the makeup of the rest of your team, you don't get beat by 54 points. I, I don't think there's much excuse for that. <laughs> so I'm less sympathetic. I think um, I think they should have got up to get closer than that albeit they come up against a really strong side in, uh, in England. Yeah, it's a very interesting question and pretty cool to be able to see both of our insights. On that note, if you have any questions, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram. You can find me on at Sarah Nangama or this guy at Dean Hallitau. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the ruck. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Time for keeping it social, Sarah. Your expertise, your your field of study. Uh, What have you got for (laughs) us this week? My social this week comes up from the Wallaroos Instagram. Um, a beautiful piece of footage was shared on our last game day where Ili Sebabadi Basanga, who is our scrum half, uh, did a very special piece talking about what rugby means to her and also uh, the group that we are. The Rugby World Cup is the pinnacle of women's rugby. We're lucky that rugby union is an international sport, but it's the Rugby World Cup, that's the cup that you want to be holding on to every four years because that goes to show that you are the best in the world. I think it would be the pinnacle of anyone's career, no matter whether this is your first World Cup or your fourth World Cup. To win a World Cup is something that you will definitely remember for the rest of your life. It doesn't come easy for us. This group of women are strong, we're resilient, and we're hardworking. We don't do rugby full-time. You know, we're not professional, so this this is all on us. Sarita and home, Sarita's powerful, she's fast, she's strong. This will be my fourth World Cup, my first being in 2006 when I was the baby at 21. The reason I play, it, it's, it's part of my life, it's who I am, it's love. Like playing rugby, it's, it's, it's a way out to express yourself. When you're down in the, in the trenches, defending your line, you look to the left and the right of you and you see the same, the same feeling with the person next to you. 
We've ridden this journey together for a very long time. We've had setbacks, but we've risen again. Australia threw everything at them at the early stages, but they held firm and fought back, and it is New Zealand who win it. Losing hurts, knowing that you've worked so hard, you've had the best week of preparation, and then it just falls apart when you come onto the field. They're not intimidated by the Eden Park crowd. Oh, they're up for the challenge, all right, the Wanneroos. 100% we're special, definitely a winning squad. You can't fault our preparation in the effort and the hard work that we've all put in and the drive that we have to want to be better. There's no excuses why we can't. Avadia Wong is going to streak in, Tarita again, being Tarita! Oh, they are just rolling at the moment, aren't they? Tonight you'll see entertaining rugby. You'll see hard-working girls all over the paddock wanting to do the best for their country. Believe in us, cheer for us, because we can hear you on the field and we need that. We need you behind us. This is what we've been working for. How much do you want it? So much. I want this Rugby World Cup so much. Doesn't it just pull on the heartstrings, Hala? Yeah, it's a good pick, and uh, it's great hearing about uh, what it means to her, but also some of the challenges that you face in, in going into World Cup. And how, it seems like you're a connected group as well, which is like super important going into World Cup. Yeah, it's a we we really do have a special group here, and Ilya in particular, she's such a big part of our culture. And as she alluded to, she's been to four World Cups as well. So this has been quite the journey for her. So that had to be my pick for this week, but. You, my friend, when you just opened up your phone before the show started, what did you find? <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> so this is in, 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 in the NFL world where uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are the only unbeaten team in the NFL. Now, back in week five, they took on the Arizona Cardinals and the Cardinals had a kick to tie the match with not long to go on the clock. And there's this footage on the Philadelphia Eagles um, Instagram page of that a fan has put up, and literally a fan, because the fans watching the game <laughs> on TV, this, this match time field goal is about to take place from the Cardinals, and he picks up his floor fan, uh, you know, just one of those little portable fans, and he stands, mm-hmm. stands to the side of the screen, and the kick goes up, and the fan blows the kick away. So... <laughs> He has some sort of part in making the ball miss and position himself on the right side to push it to the other. It's it's pretty comical. If you want to check it out, go to the Philadelphia Eagles Instagram page. And, uh, yeah, good work from the fan to send an omen. Um, I don't know what it is, an omen fan to the, uh, to the ground for the TV. The fan came in clutch. Yes, indeed. In the ruck. Tackling the tough headlines in sport... On Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the Ruck, we have a variety of news, starting with athletics. Uh, the Cook Island Games were hosted between the 30th of September to the 15th of October, where we saw athletes, both young and old, compete in 25 sports. Yeah, this is huge. And uh, it wrapped up on the weekend, as you said. There was uh, 3,200 registered athletes across 25 different sports. So a huge um, turnout. And it's great that um, this kicked off in the middle of COVID, actually, in 2020. They've continued it a number of um, expats um, returning to the islands for uh, these games. And, uh, yeah, it, it's great that it, it took place. It's great that there was a number of people that, that returned and, and that it can, um, you know, go ahead. I'm sure it'll be something that everyone looks forward to in the Cook Islands uh, in, in the future for, for the next meet. 
Yes, and I do want to make a quick mention of Tiana Metara. We've interviewed her on the show uh, before. She is a New Zealand netballer who is of Cook Island heritage, and she actually went back to Raro uh, to compete with the national team. And she posted about it on Instagram, speaking about how fulfilling the experience has been. So great to see uh, big profile athletes return back to the motherland and uh, compete on uh, such a significant stage to the island. Now over to football and here in Australia, they had the Australian Women in Sports Awards this week and Mary Fowler, who is of PNG Heritage, plays for the Matildas. She's been a star at such a young age. She's only 19 years of age. She was actually named the one to watch at those awards. So a a fairly significant award uh, for a young person uh, to achieve. And Mary, we know she's a gun. She she regularly features in the highlights and on the score sheet. Um, So no doubt everyone will be watching like we are. Yes, and staying on the note of PNG, the women's national team, who we've spoken about in bits and pieces as they prepare for World Cup, um, have been told that they need to train individually because a head coach has not yet been appointed. Yeah, this was a little bit of a shock for us. Nicola Demain, who um, Peter Pasol has spoken to on the show before, uh, was their former head coach, had some success, and then um, was told she was no longer needed. So that was a, a strange one that we spoke about a little while ago. Um, they haven't yet replaced her. They're, they're looking at options um, from internal and abroad. They, they reckon they're close to, to naming someone. But in the meantime, their squad's been named and they train separately. So weird for a team sport to not be working together, at least in some capacity, and and to not have that coach named. Yeah, I think that's also quite a difficult um, place to put the athletes in to to train individually is is already hard, but particularly in a team sport, you've got to question whether it's going to affect the performance. But that being said, there is a speculation that someone be appointed uh, by the first week of November. So hopefully that does come to fruition because they need as much time together as they need. Very important to get that preparation right. Now over to rugby, your sport. And we spoke last week about the Oceania Rugby Men's Championship that was due to be hosted in Papua New Guinea. Unfortunately, it's had to be rescheduled. Yes, it had to be rescheduled as there are a couple of challenges, um, including flight schedules, availability and travel documentation between the countries. So it is a little bit unfortunate uh, that they have had to postpone it. But I guess on the bright side, it will still go ahead um, between the 2nd and 10th of November. I guess my only pet peeve with it was they knew that this competition was coming. Preparation should have been better. Yes. Preparation prevents poor performance. Is that the, is that the slogan, Sarah? Look, Harlow, if you said it, it must be gospel, so let's just stick with it. <laughs> now, something that you'll you'll be familiar with, Sarah, the Kaiviti Silk Tales, they have donated some gym equipment to uh, university. Yes, the Kaviti Silk Tales are currently based now in Fiji as they prepare for their pre-season. Uh, they have opened up a centre of excellence and had some gym equipment um, that they were able to share. So they took it over to USP, the University of South Pacific, uh, to help um, their facility out there. It's a, it's a great gesture, a very generous gesture, um, but it's in the true nature of Fijians to be able to share whatever they don't need. Yeah, this was cool. And the, the clip is on the Silk Tales um, Instagram page. If, if our listeners want to head there, and uh, it just shows them uh, putting the gym together, putting some racks and some weights and uh, all the equipment that you need for a good functioning gym, uh, which I think is a really nice gesture and and one that will help with pathway development. Um, And we'll see more stars hopefully come out in all sports, but uh, hopefully in rugby league and and, and in rugby union. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a really nice gesture from the Silk Tales. Well said. Over to the NRL, the P&G team, the Kumuls, and a conversation that has been lingering for quite some time now is about having a PNG team uh, included in the NRL. And 
No one else is talking about it, but the media is talking about it. So how likely is this to happen? Yeah, look, I think there's obviously a desire from PNG to, to be included in the NRL. They've, they've had uh, their opportunity to play in an Australian competition in the Queensland Cup through the PNG Hunters. They've had some sort of mixed success. It's been a challenging last couple of years, obviously, COVID, um, meaning that their preparations in their season's been interrupted from time to time. And um, no doubt that's that's presented a challenge for their, their performances. But um, they're... World Cup, they're in the World Cup at the moment. If they perform well, um, then there's probably going to be some more push to have them included as the 18th team. There's, there's obviously a lot that has to happen for that to come true, but we know that it's such a passionate rugby league country and uh, you know there's good support from the highest powers, being uh, Anthony Albanese in Australia and um, over in PNG, that their government officials are really um, supportive of this happening. And um, look, I, I think... It's definitely a chance. Uh, when it happens, I, I don't know. I've got no idea about the plans for further expansion beyond next year. Um, they did lose their first match against Tonga, as you mentioned before, in the World Cup. Um, but I don't think that's going to really impact their, their immediate chances of having a team in the competition. Uh, it, it'd be great to see um, them have that opportunity like we've seen in the Q Cup. Yeah, I think the World Cup um, is really important for them to be able to see how they fare against a lot of uh, professional athletes. But... I guess in terms of an 18th team being added to the NRL, uh, PNG aren't the only nation pushing for it. We know that the North Sydney Bears are doing it also. I think a great trial will be seeing how the Dolphins fare because they're obviously the latest inclusion in the competition. So like you said, these things are likely to happen. It's just a matter of when it will happen because we know that there's so much that needs to go into it in terms of resources. It's a good point. Watch the Dolphins, see how things go there before we start making any further decisions. Staying with Rugby League and Des Hasler, the manly great as a player, great as a coach, spent some time at the Bulldogs, returned to the, the Seagulls a few years ago. He got chopped last week. That was um, that was big news, but I guess it, it's, it's an evolving situation because uh, he may uh, pursue some sort of action over that sacking and also um, the Seagulls um, have reportedly approached Anthony Seabold, who uh, was, was let go from the South Sydney Rabbitohs a couple of seasons ago. Um, sorry, from the Brisbane Broncos, I should say, a couple of seasons ago. It, it's going to be um, interesting to see what happens there. Yes, yeah, really unfortunate for Des Hasler, but I guess it'll be one to watch to see if Anthony Seabold does take this head coach role. Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Sarah, that's all we have time for. Yes, so if you missed the show, you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to see more sport, you can check out that Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. Matola Kia. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.